guys. Welcome to Sometimes Funny, Always Awkward. This is a podcast about nothing and everything, especially being a hot fucking mess. I'm here with Grace. Hello. Hi, Grace. Um, But we have a bit of a different episode for you today because today we're joined by Sally Douglas and Imogen Khan. They're two gorgeous girls behind Good Morning, the podcast, and now the book. Yeah, Sally and Imogen met after the sudden death of both their mums and created Good Morning as a compassionate and relatable survival guide to grief and loss. They're very interesting ladies, I must say. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thanks for coming. Thanks so much for having us. So excited to be with you guys. Yeah. Good to be here. Yeah, so we've got Sally and Imogen. We're talking about Good Morning, the book. So the podcast has been going for how long? Almost three years now, actually, hasn't it, Im? Yeah, September 2020, we launched, didn't we, on your mum's birthday. Oh, it was like wow. six months after we met, which is pretty wild. That's yeah. really special. And you guys met after the sudden death of your mum's passing, and that's how you guys connected. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you met? Yes, sure. So Sal and I did meet after the sudden and unexpected deaths of our mums. My mum, Vanessa, died by suicide, and Sal's mum, Rose, died from a sudden seizure. So, yeah, we didn't actually know each other before our big losses. And um, the thing about grief is we both felt really lonely no matter you know how well supported you are. Grief is a really isolating and lonely experience. And we were just completely unprepared for what lay ahead for us. We hadn't experienced a significant loss like that. We had lost grandparents, which was really sad. But yeah, an unexpected and sudden loss of our mums in our early 30s, we were not expecting at all. So it just flipped our worlds upside down. And we just felt like we needed some extra support and a chance meeting brought us together and yeah we just hit it off and um yeah I just feel really grateful that I met Sal and we're doing grief together and we started good morning so some pretty amazing things have happened from tragedy so and the thing about grief is and which you guys you know talk about this topic not of grief but this topic of of awkwardness right and grief is so awkward because (laughs) people just don't know how to approach it and Im and I were both in our early 30s right so a time in life when you're just not really expecting to be dealing with loss Mm -hmm. or losing a parent and it is just really orcs and people don't know what to say and if your friends haven't been through it they don't know what to do even though they want to support you so Im and I were living in the same city here in Sydney and we just really longed to have that person who understood what we were going through you know, there's so much more to grief than just sadness. You feel exhausted, you've got anxiety, brain fog, we'll probably go into it all a little bit later, but there's, it's such a huge experience. And like Im said, it flips your world upside down and people just shuffle around the topic, it's orcs. So Im and I just wanted to like meet somebody who you could, we could just talk really openly to, who would get it. And luckily we had like a chance meeting at a pub and we just hit it off, didn't we? And we like vibed each other out. And then we'd meet up and we'd have wines and we'd talk about grief and we sounded so fun. Probably if you overheard our convo, you'd be like, what are these girls on about? Um, (laughs) Bit of dark humour. Yeah, and we we love dark humour. And I think dark humour is something Im and I connected on because when the chips are down, you need a bit of humour to get through. And it's also something, as you guys know, because it's what your podcast is grounded in, like... It, it binds us, it connects us, doesn't it? And it also allows us to be vulnerable when we kind of throw that humour in there. So, Absolutely. And it's a good icebreaker for awkward topics like grief. Um, so Im and I would just 
spent hours talking about stuff to do with grief and we were like oh my god like it's so awkward no one knows what to do let's change that let's start a podcast where we talk about grief but we do it with humor and we make it fun and it's not a place where you feel doom and gloom and so that was basically the idea behind good morning and kind of how we met and how it all came to be. Yeah, I love that. It's kind of like a survival guide for people who are experiencing grief. But like listening to you guys, I think it's also just as beneficial for people who haven't experienced grief because then they can learn how to speak to people who are experiencing loss because you're right. Nobody knows what's on the table when somebody's gone through a massive loss in their life. Mm. I would not know what to ask them or what to say to them. And if somebody was to make a joke or to celebrate the awkwardness of death then like the ice is broken and you can talk about it and it kind of removes the stigma around it, makes it more relatable. And yes, of course, it's fucking awkward. Like, yeah, somebody died, but let's, you know, I'm okay and let's laugh about it. And I think that it opens up the conversation so that you can deal with it together. I love that. I just like to add that prior to our mums dying, like we were probably really bad at supporting people through death as well. (laughs) And, you know, people come to our podcast or they read our book and they're like, oh, shit, I've said and done all the wrong things. But so have we. It's absolutely normal and fine. Like I think death is one of those things that until you've experienced, you know, a big loss in your life, it's really hard to comprehend the magnitude of it. It's really hard to know how to show up, what to say, what not to say. So, yeah, if we give advice to you on things not to say and you've said those things before, (laughs) give yourself some grace because we have also done that. We've been there, done that. So, yeah, let yourself off the hook as well. We (laughs) we just hope to educate people in how to move forward and, yeah, just give them some alternatives to the usual cliches and platitudes that we often throw out when we feel really awkward. I must say, like, I... Yes, I had a brother that passed away when I was 13 um, and so that was like quite a big loss to deal with but I am still terribly awkward around the idea of (laughs) grieving. Like just this morning a new friend of mine was like, oh, a family member has passed away and it took me 17 minutes to write, sorry to hear. (laughs) And I was like, what do I say? What do I do? How do I say it? I just, it's such a tricky thing. I feel like even though every person goes through it and will go through it in their life, you it's so nervous about saying the wrong thing and walking on eggshells I feel like maybe even if you have had experience with grief you might still feel that like I do so it's probably a really interesting thing to read about or listen about even if you feel like you're well versed in the world of grief absolutely spot on and we're, we're so sorry that that um right. <laughs> but yeah it, it, even like even the work that we do like sometimes it is awkward if you've been through it you talk about it a lot or you know you, you you're deep in it like it's happening to you right now it's still awkward like and that's I think what we want to do is normalize you know grief is an awkward topic sometimes you don't know what to say even if you have been in that place yourself and for us something that's really helped is like just using really real language like gosh that is really shit and I'm so sorry Mm. like and that can kind of also help take some of the awkwardness out of it because it's just so real and I think sometimes people really appreciate that and I know we certainly did didn't we and when people would just be super super honest with us in their language and and throw a few swear words in there we found that quite helpful (laughs) yes swear away I had someone tell me after my mom died 
they said literally said to my face my condolences like <laughs> what are we in the like 1920s like <laughs> did you say that yeah. to them when they said that <laughs> no I didn't because I got awkward too <laughs> I was like yeah thanks <laughs> but yeah we're just trying to change the language and let people know it's okay to just be real and yeah. if you don't know what to say say that say I don't know what to say I wish I had the words yeah this is so hard and people just appreciate the honesty was it helpful if people asked you like hey I don't know what to say how can I best support you because I wouldn't know I wouldn't know. Like sometimes when Grace talks about her brother, I'm still awkward about it. When we're in the <laughs> podcast and you bring it up, I just sit there silently because I'm like, well, it's not my place to ask the questions because I don't want to ask you something that you're not comfortable sharing. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I do think it's it's interesting how like you probably found this with your mothers as well. Like it doesn't matter how much time has come past whenever you bring up the topic, even if you bring it up in a lighthearted manner, it still brings the mood down so instantly. And I find Mm. the only people where it doesn't bring the mood down is other people that have experienced, like, similar things. Like, I do have a couple of friends where we can make a few off-coloured jokes here and there. We did that once in front of Maddie and it was <laughs> it was very strange. I was like for her, but, <laughs> but you know. it's nothing like a bit of grief to bring the mood down, that's yeah. for sure. But we're trying to change that by bringing the mood off a bit and let people know it's okay to talk about it. And like I love that you asked that question, Maddie, because the thing is we found in the early days when people said like let me know if you need anything or let me know what you need or how I can support you often when we're in the thick of it like we don't know ourselves so it's almost like this kind of redundant thing that just gets left like that it's like well I'm not and I'm never going to come to you and say hey can you do xyz for me no and you don't know what to say so it kind of just gets left there so Mm -hmm. something that we do recommend Mm -hmm. is thinking about ways that you can show up for someone that is like practical could you go and walk their dog could you go and do their groceries maybe cook them some food like things where you think they don't need to think about this I'm just going to use my initiative and like give them a time be like 4 p.m on Tuesdays I'm going to come around and walk your dog is that okay yeah you know just keep it really like simple and they can just give a yes or no response we found that that was really helpful rather than people saying, let me know if you need anything or let me know what you can say. And I also think saying something is so much better than saying nothing as well. Mm, Would you agree, Sal? Like just acknowledge the elephant in the room, right? Totally. And again, like Im said earlier, it could literally just be, I don't really know much about grief and it's really hard to know the right thing to say, but I just want you to know I care about you and I'm here for you. Or if you're um, supporting someone who's grieving and you're having a conversation, you could also say something like, what do you need from me right now? Or what what can I do for you? It's probably better, you could say it over text, but if you're having an in-person conversation, that might give them the opportunity to open up a little bit. Or if say like you're having a conversation with somebody whose loved one died, maybe it was a few years ago or a while ago, you could say, like, do you want to talk about them? Do you want to talk about it? Like, mm. can you share a memory of them? Because the thing that people don't realize is I think people sometimes think that saying their name will upset us or, or trigger us. And sometimes it might. But also, quite often we do still want to talk about them and keep their memory alive and share funny stories about them or, you know, just hear their name being spoken. So that can be a really good way to support people as well if you don't really know what to say you might be like you know I'd love to hear more about them or I'd love to know a little bit more about your person and that can be a really supportive way as well another great 
piece of advice is I think when we see people that we care about in pain, especially after they've lost someone that we love, we just instinctively want to fix them and make them feel better. And the thing about death is nothing that you can do or say is going to make it better or change it or bring them back. So often we just say off the cuff things like these platitudes, like, oh, they wouldn't want you to be sad. You know, it was their time to go. Things that you think are going to make them feel better. But what is actually happening is it's minimizing that person's experience. It's like, oh, okay, so I don't really have room to be sad right now because you're telling me that I shouldn't be sad mm. because they wouldn't want me to be sad. And so that's why I think we often feel quite lonely is because we don't really have that space to just sit and be and talk and just, you know, be an absolute hot mess without someone trying to like fix it. Yes. Because people are really offering. uncomfortable. Yeah. They're always so, offering a solution and it's like you've got to just let me, a solution. let me sit in it. Let me mm. be sad. Yes, it's absolutely. Okay. So yes. a great bit of advice is you can ask them, do you want advice right now or do you want me to listen? And a lot of the time grievers just want someone to listen to them. It's just the most supportive thing that you can do for someone is just listen as Amazing. well. Love that. I was going to ask about the brain fog post-grief. I'm When you mentioned brain fog and exhaustion, I was really interested about brain fog. Yeah, you called it yes. grief. I saw you called it grief brain. Grief brain. Yes. Yes. It is such a thing. And actually it's whenever we do shout outs on our Instagram, so we've got a really big Instagram audience. They're really engaged. And whenever we talk about certain topics, people are always like with brain fog, they're like, oh my God, I thought it was just me. Like it's, it is a really common thing, but people, because we don't talk about it that much, people just think they, they've just completely changed. But Im, this is your this is your area. This is your time to shine, my friend, because you know <laughs> all about the grief brain. I love this topic. So, well, Sal and I were both so interested in it. And we both experienced it and still do sometimes, especially around like milestones and Mother's Day and anniversaries and things. Grief pops up. Uh, but we we really wanted to get to the bottom of why we kept hearing this from our community. Like, why are people feeling so forgetful and foggy and can't string a sentence together sometimes. Like I kept buying the same packet of tasty cheese every single week, not opening them and sell wore two different colored Birkenstocks out one day. Like, <laughs> why are we doing these things? You know, we're usually pretty switched on people. So we really wanted to, yeah, get to the bottom of what was happening to us. So we interviewed a really fascinating woman called Dr. Lisa Shulman. So she's a world renowned neurologist and her husband died and she felt all of those things as well. And as a neurologist, she really wanted to kind of understand what was happening to the brain. Mm. So when you experience a big loss, it's an emotional injury to your brain and it actually rewires your brain, which is wild. Like you wouldn't think that that's what's happening. Mm. And people think that grief is just an emotional experience. It's just something that makes you sad and then you get over it and you move on, which we'll get into in a bit. But, yeah, so it's, it changes the neuroplasticity, weakens the neural pathways, and all of these things impact the cognitive function. So those major cognitive domains like your memory function, speed of processing information, all of those things get impacted. So that's why there's a scientific reason why we are, like, completely off the planet when we experience grief. And this can last last a long time as well. It's not something that's just immediately after the loss. Like, it can be a year after you're still foggy and when you when you do experience a big loss as well like it floods your body with stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline as well so your body is just not functioning in the way that it is before it's really in that sympathetic 
state and when we want to get in that parasympathetic nervous system state which is like the rest and digest instead we're really stressed and in fight or flight and that's why we feel so exhausted as well so there's a lot of physical changes happening to us after loss that people may not be aware of and they think that they're going crazy and going to the doctor to get blood tests because they think there's something sinister wrong with them um so we've all we've all been there but yeah we just want to really reassure people that it's it's normal to be feeling all all of those things after loss that's so crazy. I didn't even think of the whole physical response from it. But of course, you've got everything's changing in your body. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I had no idea. Neither. Yeah. Wild. Oh, we're just learning <laughs> so much. I love it. Um, earlier, you guys um, talked about managing milestones, and that's something that you guys talk about in the book as well. Can you elaborate a little bit on what that what you are talking about in the book about that? What is totally. a milestone? Like, do you mean like Mother's Day that just passed? Yeah, yeah. So that's a really good example. So yeah, milestones, I guess maybe it's like a, a grief community term, but it's like a big day, right? Like a milestone event. Maybe it's like they're, the day they passed or Mother's Day or their birthday or Christmas, you know, times when you're remembering them, times when it can be quite difficult to forget that they're not here you know so like mother's day is a perfect example you know you're surrounded by people on instagram with their mums you see mums and daughters in cafes and you know it's, it's everywhere you see you get the marketing emails you see the cards you know every it's 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 everywhere so you can't really avoid it and it's hard to be private about your grief because the milestones can really trigger trigger the memory of them so Coping with milestones is a really big part of coping with grief, right? Because as we move through life, they're, they're always going to be there, these markers in time that remind us of the people that um, are no longer with us. So Im and I have lots of tips and advice on how to cope. So one of the things that we, we love to talk about is a theory called continuing the bond. And that basically, it's it's about death isn't the end, like you can still have a relationship with them whether you believe in the afterlife or not, you can still continue that bond by doing things to honour them. Um, and it's a theory that we really like and that we put into practice. So, for example, Mother's Day, I just did some really simple things to remember my mum. I went up to the headland where her ashes are scattered. It's like just down the road from me. Um, and I just sat and I just connected with her in my in my thoughts. And then I watched her favourite TV show, Call the Midwife, bit of British period drama, <laughs> love it. Um, I'm actually a 90-year-old woman trapped inside a 30-something body, <laughs> so I secretly enjoy it. I was about um, to say, is, is it actually your favourite pastime <laughs> to watch Call the Midwife? <laughs> I love it, I do love it, but I started watching it because my mum loved it. So I, yeah. yeah, just watched a show that she loved and like, I just made, you know, made some food that she used to really enjoy, little things like that. It might be that you listen to their favorite album or you wear something that was theirs, whether that's an item of clothing, some of their jewelry, even their perfume, you know, smell is such a strong sense that can evoke so many memories. So little things like that, that you can continue feeling close to them and continue that bond. And you can do that on milestone days or, or any day, really. But they're just really simple ways that can connect you to them and you can feel like you're still continuing that and im's got some really lovely things that she does with her daughter as well don't you im i do i include my daughter in you know in, in my life and i bring up her grandma all the time so she really knows who she is one thing i do want to say is 
I wrote Mother's Day off like it was a complete write-off. So it's really depending on like where you're at as well. I think last year I did all the honouring and, you know, remembering my mum and really sitting with it and thinking about it. But yesterday I was like, I am not in the headspace. I'm just going to write it off. I didn't do a Mother's Day post for my mum, which I normally do. And I just want people to know like however you're feeling is absolutely okay. So it's really important to like listen to where you're at because mm. you can judge yourself as well because I'm – how long three or four years on maybe I'm my fourth year now I don't know it's time to get to the point where I'm losing count but grief brain <laughs> grief brain right there she is but it changes you know and some years I'm feeling stronger and this year I wasn't feeling strong and I just really honored where I was at and I mm. didn't let myself feel bad like I should be doing something to honor my mom so we really want to stress that to people as well as like listen to your needs first and foremost whatever you feel comfortable doing do if you want to do something to honor them that's absolutely great and if you just feel like hiding in bed and being like this day needs to you know go away then that's absolutely fine as well but yeah I always talk about my mum with my daughter so she's turning four tomorrow and so she's at the age where she's asking loads of questions and it's it's difficult like it is really hard I think she's a little bit confused as to where grandma is but it's still super important for me that she knows who she is and I've got a picture of her up in her bedroom and she says good night to grandma um she found a bit of sock lint on the bed one day and she's like oh my god it's grandma come to see me I was like this is so far <laughs> but beautiful at the same time um so yeah I really try and include her in our every day oh that's even so if she's sweet. a bit of sock lint these days and I'll take it yeah take the message the message yeah. <laughs> it's all so about good. how you feel at the end of it isn't it so exactly as long as she's getting talked about I'll, I'll take it well that's I think that's what I learned from from my brother is that grief isn't linear it, it goes in ebbs and mm-hmm. flows and like and like and for me personally he's been he's passed away now for 13 years and I like his birthdays no longer make me upset anymore except for this year because I had my son in January so then when his birthday came and I had my son I was like oh my god this now feels really different and I feel Mm. like the next few years with my son I'm gonna be like actually his grief hurts more than it has Mm. in past time and like as you said just being honest with yourself and knowing that it's coming and just being like that's okay do I want to do this? No, I don't. Do I want to speak to family? Sometimes I have a really hard time talking to my family when I am feeling upset about my brother. And I think they're vice versa. And it's just us being honest with each other. And sometimes you don't even have to say the words. You can just kind of hear that tone and you Mm know, oh, okay, that person needs a bit more room or they want more from me. And you can kind of balance it. I think it's really interesting. It is. And there's a lot to unpack in what you just said because... Mm. Firstly, boundaries are so important when it comes to your grief in general, but also around milestone days. And yeah, Im is so right. Like here I am talking about call the midwife and cooking stuff, but also if you don't want to do anything, that is so fine. Like we were like Christmas Grinches for the first few years. (laughs) Like, nah, Christmas can do one, not interested. And it was only like Mm. this last year that we were like, oh, Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) But before that we were like, no, just don't even want to acknowledge it's Christmas. Do not feel like celebrating. So it it, like, it is absolutely honoring how you feel and taking any judgment off yourself. Like if you want to forget every single festive, you know, period of the year, 
totally fine. But just back to your family and like, not you know, sometimes not wanting to talk, like everyone grieves so differently, right? So I think mm. it is honoring yourself in that way and like setting those boundaries. If you don't feel like doing anything, you don't want to socialize, you don't want to talk about them, having those boundaries in place and respecting how you feel is so, so important. Mm. And and grief does come in waves. We it, it, and, and different um, periods in our life can bring new new waves of grief we actually interviewed an amazing lady called hope edelman she's an author in the states and she wrote a book called the after grief looking at people who'd experienced loss like what their experience of grief was like 10 plus years on and she spoke about how quite often there'll be things that happen in our life like having a baby getting married big markers in our life and big life events that may bring up feelings of grief again so she she lost her mum and she talked about I think it was like maybe 15 years after her mum had died she became a mum so like you Grace and she she felt a new wave of grief so I think it's it is something that can happen and it, again it's normal and you just got to honour yourself and just let yourself just be how be how you're going to be and and just go with it but it is something that can happen mm. I think people also think that you know, after the funeral, the first year is hard and then it's kind of done and we tick that box and we're cool. <laughs> but no, like it pops up again 13 years later, right? So yeah. it might happen and, and, and it feels different. So, yeah, it's very crazy. Can I ask, actually, this was this happened very early on. We were talking about people saying the wrong thing. Have you had someone say something really awful that was like absolutely a no-no in your experience? I had, well, for me, my mum died by suicide Mm. and at the wake someone asked me, like, did she leave a note? And it was someone that didn't really know her, so it was kind of just prying. She just wanted to, like, know for her own reasons. Like, it wasn't going to help me at all. And I was like, well, she didn't, but also not really an appropriate question to be asking at the wake. What do you get out of the answer? Yeah, Yeah. she just sticky beaking right she just wants to know more details for herself rather than like crazy yeah yeah so that was a bit of a no-no for me Mm. um sal you've probably had some awkward things said to you um yeah i haven't had anything super super like no no in terms of like oh my god that was horrific please never say that again (laughs) um but i do remember my mum's best friend um it was probably three days after she died and my mum died from a sudden seizure oh is this (laughs) and she um so she lives in the UK so I had to fly back to the UK and I I was in this pub with my mum's best mate and her partner and well I can't remember what we were talking about we're talking about something and um her her friend just went oh she if she'd have seen that she would have had a fit wouldn't she (laughs) and then it was like Oh, uh, yeah, she, yeah, well, she did. I laughed it off, but it is like these things, like, you know, it depends on your relationship with the person. But we yeah. do say these awkward things and we don't think about them. And I think, yeah, it's. Um, and how dark your humour is as well. I feel like we can, we can take quite yeah. a bit, can't we, Sal? Yeah. yeah. And I think <laughs> just in terms of saying stuff, like from a perspective of suicide loss, people might not realize that saying they committed suicide Mm. can actually be quite a it's offensive Mm. the right word in it's probably not the right word maybe not offensive maybe just makes you feel quite uncomfortable and I used to say it before my mum 
died by suicide, which is what I say now. I used to say committed suicide. I think it's just a term that we all learned when we were younger and that's just what you call it. And it's still really common. We hear it in the media still. Uh, well, uh, I've yeah, still been saying time, it. This is the first time I've learned yeah. that maybe it's not a great uh, yeah, term because my yeah. my uncle died by suicide about two years ago and I I would always mm. say committed. But I guess, so, yeah. I'd and know. and my brother is a similar thing. It was also suicide, but I always said committed. I hadn't thought yeah. about the connotations oh. with the word. Mm-hmm. So it's something that we heard come up a lot with our community, people who had lost loved ones to suicide. So back in the day, it used to actually be illegal to take your own life, which sounds ridiculous. Yes. It's like, well, they're dead, so what do you get? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How can you punish them? silly, but it's seen as a crime. Mm. Yeah, it's seen as a crime, and it even went so far as churches would refuse to have funerals for people who had taken their own life. Like, it was pretty awful. Yeah. So the whole term committed, it's kind of like they've committed a felony or they've committed offence, so it's yeah. just that quite an aggressive word to use for somebody. So we would never say someone committed cancer or, you know, yeah. so I think we don't, <laughs> very talk, we don't talk about suicide in the same context that we do if you lose a loved one to cancer. And I think that it's about time that we did because there's so much information coming around, coming out about what actually happens to your brain before you do die by suicide? You know, you're not in a clear state of thinking sometimes. And I think it's really f- important for people to understand. And a lot of people suffer from mental health issues and that can be a big contributing factor to them taking their lives. So we really need to treat it more sensitively, I think. And so we can start with the language that we use around suicide. So, yeah, not using the term committed and saying died by suicide, I think, is a much softer approach. Mm. Yeah, you're so right. It is, it's not a gentle term. No, it's not. It's quite aggressive. I'd never thought quite of it. Harsh. Like that. It's very interesting, yeah. Mm. Never thought of it. Yeah. Uh, so m- when my uncle passed away, the grief I experienced was not for my uncle, even though, of course, I experienced grief and loss, but my the grief that I was feeling was for my dad losing his brother. Mm. And so I was just, I was so sad for my, for what my dad was going through. Cause also the way he, he did not show any signs of grief. He just was hunky dory, happy chappy. And I was just like, dad, you're, I, I'm like, I, of course I would never said it to him, but I was like, his brother just passed away. This is so crazy. And so like, I was just feeling for him. And the weirdest thing that somebody said to me when he passed away, somebody asked me how he did it. Oh, so the funny thing about this is that... It's the same person that also asked you, your brother. Because we, we used to work in a retail <laughs> space and our manager um, asked, asked me... Us both asked individually us both. Um, about how they passed away on like while we're working. And when we realised that she'd done it to both of us, <laughs> when we were sharing the story being like, well, listen what, to my, what our manager did to me, it was like, oh, my God, this woman... <laughs> No boundaries. Sticky beak. <laughs> wow. Yes, the sticky beaking. It's so inappropriate. I know. Like, what does it matter? Like, I don't. <laughs> anyway, it was yeah, very exactly. funny. What, what does it change anything? No. So I think, Maddie, I just want to jump back to what you were talking about with your dad. And I think yes. it's really interesting that you brought that up. And it may look like sometimes on the outside to people that somebody's handling their grief well or seems to be a little bit non affected, but everyone copes so differently and especially with a loss to suicide the shock that you can be in is absolutely huge and I think this is something that Sal can talk to here about the feeling of shock and sometimes we go into autopilot so on the outside we look like we're functioning and I think that was very much Sal's experience after the loss of her mum suddenly um she was able to go back to work and function pretty well people on the outside probably thought like oh are you are you even sad like what's going on am I right Sal do you want to jump in here but I think that was your experience wasn't it yeah, it was. Like I 
I had to go back and sort my mum's estate out and um, I didn't have any other choice but to just get stuff done. And I was so shocked by her death. I was almost like on autopilot. It was like the shock could like cocoon me. I was just sort of like on a, like running on adrenaline and kind of, it was only a couple of, probably I'd say a month or two after that I kind of really came down from it and the shock wore off a little bit. And I was like, whoa, okay, like, so raw and obviously I was crying I was upset like I was you know heartbroken but I was able to function I was like and I went back to work two months after she died and I was like running you know running client meetings presenting to clients running a team I was actually weirdly like firing on all cylinders and I was like what is going on like I was like showing up to team meetings (laughs) and you know going to client meetings and being fine and I was like should I not be rocking in a ball on the floor like, oh, you know, can't cope. But I was like, like me, I was like, <laughs> like, but I was, I was like functioning. And then at the weekends, I'd like really crash and I'd be exhausted and, and like, I, I'd cry. I'd be like so upset and feeling all of the feels and all of the physical things too. But I managed to, to also function day to day. And so I think some people probably looked at me and were like, uh, what is going on she seems absolutely fine and unaffected by this but I think it is some people just can compartmentalize in a way and we kind of also need to do that in order to process our grief we so your dad might be a little bit more like me in a sense of he can yeah he can sort of put his grief aside for a bit or maybe he he isn't like a super a crier or a big you know, is he is he a crier or is he more practical? I think I've seen him cry once in my life, and yeah. so and I, I like I can also acknowledge that maybe my dad was trying not to show it to us. That mm. maybe he was he wanted his grief to be private, and so that was so fine as well. Um, yeah, but it was quite bizarre for me to watch him feel like he it felt like nothing had changed for him. But obviously yeah. he was got he of course he was going through it. And we did everything that we could for him, but it, he was just like, "No, I'm good." And it was it was a weird pr- phenomenon for us to watch. It's totally. hard to figure out how to support someone if they're not showing you their signs of grief. Mm. Yeah, but I guess yeah. he's my parent, and my dad, he's always been the protector, and he's always been, you know, the provider of the family. And so I guess he was just like, "Well, I don't want to lean on my kids." I, maybe he just didn't want to because he's like, "I don't, I never have, and I, I provide for you guys. Like you guys lean on me because I'm your dad." And so it never changed. Nothing changed. But you're so right. It, it, people do have a image constructed of what they think people are going to be like, right? The intense mm-hmm. emotions or like not able to hold it together. And I think that's what we talk about it a lot in the book, normalizing that people grieve differently. There's no right or wrong way. Some people might be overcome with emotion and not able to function. Mm. And some people might seem okay on the outside. And and we all and another thing that's really important to know is we interviewed a really amazing lady for our podcast called Megan Reardon Jarvis, who is a psychotherapist and grief expert. And she said, grief is a verb. So we grieve by doing things, right? Mm. So for your dad, maybe it was being practical or just doing everyday things doesn't mean he wasn't grieving, you know, like sorting their possessions out or doing the estate admin, things like that. You're still grieving, you're still processing it. So I think, yeah, it's really important to know that we all do it so differently. It doesn't look the same. So yeah, he could, yeah, he could have just been doing it his way and Mm. that is totally fine. Totally fine. 
Before we move on, I just want to ask about the book. So we've released a book now. So we've had the pod for (laughs) three Three years. years. And so now we've written a book. So why have we written the book? Why now? And what do you think it offers in addition to the pod? It felt like the right time for us. I think it's always been on Sal's bucket list to write a book. And when we first started Good Morning, it was very much like, oh my God, it would be amazing one day if we wrote a book. But we kind of just left it out into the universe. And the podcast is doing so well. We have a really engaged community. Yeah, we're on our sixth season now. And then, yeah, one day we were just approached by Murdoch Books and it just felt like the right time. We're like, let's do this. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of went on from there and Sal came to stay at my place and we're like, right, what do we want to put in this? We really wanted to make it like our podcast, but in book form. We want it to be really easily accessible, something that you can pick up, pick up and put down because as we talked about, grief brain is a very real thing. So if you read our book, you'll notice the layout. It's very intentional. So it's broken up into chunks. It's very visual. There's lots of illustrations. There's lots of tips. It's the type of book that you can flick through, stop at any page and pull some useful information out straight away. We didn't want people to be like wading through so much heavy text because I think a lot of the grief books out there can be quite theoretical and text heavy and it's really difficult to process when you're grieving. So we wanted to it to be something that was really easy to read and our community is at the heart of it as well. So just like our podcast We always listen to our community. What are they telling us every day about grief? And all of the topics that we hear day in, day out are included in the book. So each chapter is broken up with a different topic. So we've got like the first chapter is about the myths and misconceptions about loss. And then we go into all the emotions that you can experience because as we discussed today, grief is so much more than just sadness. Like it's rage, it's Mm. guilt, it's anxiety, it's fear, it's all of these things and sometimes joy as well. And then we go into the the physical elements of loss. And then, yeah, we just really touch on all the different big topics throughout our book, don't we, Sal? We do. So we look at things like how grief impacts your relationships, how to cope with loneliness, grief at work, lots of different kind of things that you can add to your toolkit. And like Im said, it's super visual. It's broken up into really bite-sized chunks because grief brain right it's real and also we've got lots of different elements so it brings in our lived experiences but we've got expert advice um, we've got tips and tools and also we've got stories from loads of other grievers because something that really helped us when we were in the early days of our loss was hearing stories of other people and knowing what that we weren't alone so there's lots of different stories so no matter where you're at in your grief journey hopefully there's something that everyone can relate to and feel seen and heard and it's just we wanted to create a book about grief that was light and very much like our podcast you know we say it how it is it's conversational it's down to earth we drop a few (laughs) f-bombs and we wanted to create a grief book that was like a support group in a book form but where you felt it was just very relatable and it wasn't like theoretical or heavy and it's actually been called uplifting hasn't it in yes i don't know how we managed to make a book about death uplifting but we did it (laughs) amazing (laughs) you deserve a trophy we also have a chapter for those supporting as well. Good, yeah. So like you kind of said at the very start of this interview, Maddie, like, oh, I feel like I need to read this book as someone that's not grieving. And that's what we've designed it for. It's written so that, you know, no matter where you're at in your journey or if you're not grieving at all, hopefully you can learn something and have a laugh along the way. And I think sometimes people might think like, oh, my God, a book about grief. No, thanks. <laughs> but it is actually like quite an uplifting read, isn't it, Im? And um, the feedback that we've had from people like, 
this is the best book I've read about grief, not to blow her own trumpets too hard. But, <laughs> Why not? Um, Calm down. Serve it. <laughs> <laughs> and where can you get it? Can you get it across all platforms if you want to read it electronically? Can you get it at bookstores? You can get it everywhere, yeah. yeah all great. good bookstores, online, yeah. But what yeah, if you just go and Google Good Morning Honest Conversations about grief and loss, it'll it'll pop up wherever you are. I love it. And Perfect. what an awesome concept, like a great community that you've built and yeah, making grief a little bit more, le- a little less awkward and more funny, as you say. Get, be approachable, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Let it sit yes. at the table. Yeah, and I guess like some people totally. want to really avoid grief, but I guess you've made it so lighthearted that it's a it's a, not a heavy way to kind of handle your own loss. That's Love great, it. guys. Thank you so much for chatting with us today. Yeah, it's been, I can't wait to read it. Yeah. Oh, thank, thank you. you. That's all right. Maybe we'll see you again soon. Yes. That'd be great. Thanks for having this space to to talk about it on your platform as well. I think it's super important to get the word out that, yeah, yeah, it's okay to talk about these things. Absolutely. Definitely. Thank Thank you so much.